to Inside Sponsorship, the show that provides sponsorship professionals with advice, insights and news so they can maximise their commercial programmes and achieve best practice. In our last episode, we started to look at the future of sponsorship and we welcomed six amazing guests on the show to share their views. It was funny putting that show together because each guest was only on a call with me for about 15 minutes or so. But once it all comes together, you realize just how big the episode had become. I think it topped out at about an hour, 45 minutes. So hopefully, however, though, as always, it provided lots of value to you. That was episode one in our three-part series on the future of sponsorship. And so in this episode, part two, we'll ask new guests the same questions to gather some more contrasting and also some reinforcing views on the industry and the future of it. In this episode, we have another five amazing guests for you. Sharpies might note that it was supposed to be six, but the world conspired against me being able to have a sixth guest on this episode, so five will have to do us. Hi, I'm Daniel Oyston, host of Inside Sponsorship, and you're listening to episode 101, brought to you by Core Software. It's great having you listening into the show, wherever you are in the world and whatever your role and connection is with the sponsorship industry. A big shout out for a few people who have been very kind to help me with a little project. Project. I have put in a submission to the Sports Podcast Awards, and the submission had to be a 10-minute audio clip on whatever we like, so we could get highlights or we could talk about the show, whatever it needed to be. And so I thought it would actually be a good idea to hear from some listeners. And so I sent a few messages out and I asked a few people to submit some words about the show. And so a huge thanks to Sarah Gagan from Core Software in Ireland, Jane Robinson from CSM Sport and Entertainment, Matthew Hughes from Medibank and Anthony Grimmer from Football Victoria, who were all so kind to send in an audio clip that I could use in the submission. And I must say, some of the words were very, very humbling. And it's truly great to hear about how much of an impact the show has on people. And a real highlight was Jane talking about how she was inspired by the episode with Jonathan Prosser, who was at the Cronulla Sharks NRL team at the time. And he spoke about the success of their internships. And now at every role she has and every organization she moves to, Jane makes sure that there is an intern program. So that's such a good story for the industry. So thanks again to Jane, Sarah, Matt and Anthony and fingers crossed we win and we get the gong. And on the shout out front, you all know that I love a shout out. So please connect with me on LinkedIn and say hi and I'll give you a shout out in the next episode. Okay, let's hear from the guests. And across this three-part series, we're going to hear from those on the rights holder brands and agency sides about how they think the future of sponsorship is shaping up. They've all been asked the same six questions and I've edited it up to be a round table of sorts. So in this episode, I'll let you know the question I asked them and then you'll hear six different answers to that one question before I move on to the next one. And in this episode, we welcome Gareth McCarthy, Sponsorship Manager at HCF Australia, Misha Share, Global Head of Sport, Entertainment and Culture at Mediacom, Alice Larkworthy, Senior Partnerships Manager at Arsenal FC, Rajesh Menon, VP, Head, Board of Director, Royal Challengers Bangalore in the Indian Premier League, and Scott Tilton, CEO at Hookit. To start, as always, an icebreaker question, and they've been asked the same one as the previous guests, and that was, what has been your favourite ever sponsorship campaign or piece of sponsorship creative? And I did let them nominate maybe something that they've worked on if they're really proud of it, or maybe it was something that they've admired and loved from afar. Here's Gareth McCarthy, Sponsorship Manager at HCF Australia. I think my favourite ever 
piece of, of sponsorship, creative ownership campaign is what KFC did about 10 years ago with their Ashes campaign, built off the insight that their brand colours being red and white are actually the, the England English colours. They went to town. And, and what I loved about it was, was they didn't just do a big sponsorship campaign. It was a big marketing campaign. They brought their sponsorship right to the heart of what they did all of that summer to the point of they were painting stores, green and gold. They had bigger above the line TVC campaigns that had, you know, Steve Smith in it. They changed the menu. So the actual products on sale at the time, you know, were themed and, and fell out of that campaign as well. Through to, uh, you know, your down and dirty promotional aspects that, you know, rolled out on match days that, that uh, they got broadcast integration of getting the Channel 9 commentators involved in the broadcast. So I just loved the the breadth of it, the scale of it, and, and bringing sponsorship right to the heart of all of their marketing efforts. They've done such a, such an amazing job because, you know, part of going to the cricket now is sticking a bucket on your head. Like that's that's become, I think, a pretty entrenched part of a, of a day at the cricket. Just the strength of it, the continuity of it, the longevity of it. They've done a fantastic job. And now, Misha Sher, Global Head of Sport, Entertainment and Culture at Mediacom. My all-time favourite has to be the PNG Thank You Mom campaign. I absolutely, I, I just, I love that. Absolutely love the way a brand tapped into something that people deeply, deeply could connect with, that everybody could connect with, right? Not just if you're a parent of a, you know, of an elite athlete, but if you're just a parent, right? And that relationship you have with, you know, with a child that you are, you know, that you're, I guess, pushing or trying to push every day to succeed in whatever they're doing. So, I just, I think you'd be hard pressed to to watch that and not feel something. I think that's that's the, a sign of something that's really great. Is if it's something that makes people feel connected and engaged, and it certainly did for me. Next to answer is Alice Larkworthy, senior partnerships manager at Arsenal FC. Well, as as much as I'm super proud of everything I've done, I think you know, the testament of something like this is when you're asked for an example, it always kind of comes back to your head. It's always front of mind, which for me, I think one of the greatest kind of examples in recent years is the Oreo Super Bowl blackout piece. I think so often, you know, whether it's rights holders, whether it's brands, whatever it is, we don't have the ability to be reactive. There's various different approvals lines and all that sort of stuff that you could go to. So, I mean, anyone that works in the business knows that how they got that across the line in like a second is bonkers and I just think it just resonated so well it kind of really suited the audience and I mean I can't remember the exact year but it was five six seven years ago and it's and it's still something that kind of comes into my head so yeah I, I love that and I just loved love the nature of it. Rajesh Menon VP head board of director Royal Challenges Bangalore in the Indian Premier League gave this answer. I have two big brands which uh, I really admire One is Patagonia and the other one is uh, Coca-Cola. Let me just talk about Coca-Cola, why I I like that uh, campaign the best. Because as an official sponsor of 2014 uh, FIFA World Cup in Brazil, Coke had a primary opportunity to market itself to hundreds of millions of soccer and football fans across the globe. The World Cup campaign was created to celebrate that unifying good that comes of many people's love for a single sport. And Coke did a brilliant, excellent job of tapping into this uh, realistic and captivating story with this campaign. And what I like, especially like about this campaign is that it's just not just cool story. Coke actually brought about more than 1 million fans from 90 countries to this World Cup. But I think what Coke's real power with this campaign lies in this brand's commitment to follow it through. 
And that stuck the cord, uh, cord in me in terms of. And what I learned, uh, what I take from this is, you just don't tell a story, but be a story. That is very critical in storytelling. And if you want to create an inspirational ad campaign that truly moves people, you need to also find a way to make that story happen in real life. And that's what Coke did. Get involved with your community. Find ways to show how can you give it back to them in terms of to the community. And this will help you build good memory structures in consumers' mind. That is the campaign which Coke did. And it, it, became, it became a big viral campaign. And that touched a card in my heart. And finally, Scott Tilton, CEO at Hook It. There's been so many. That's the kind of the beauty of the world of sponsorship is that there, you can be so creative. Probably I'll refer to something a little bit more recent where it's so hard to kind of break through the clutter and the noise. And we've recently started working with a brand called BioSteel, and they're a relatively new brand in the healthy beverage space. And they are basically new to the scene when you look at all the other brands out there like Gatorade, et cetera. But they've done a ton of new partnerships this year, and they're super active in the sponsorship space and signed Luka Donovic and U.S. Soccer and but the Luca partnership was one that was really interesting with the way that they had done it because they basically brought him on as a shareholder and he's kind of dubbed as their uh, chief hydration officer. And just in the span of a couple of days, they did a 360-degree campaign to announce his involvement that was done through social. Um, they created a LinkedIn page, which was a new concept at the time where uh, that's where he's uh, labeled the chief hydration officer and he has a kind of a corporate role within the within the brand. They also executed a bunch of media guides through digital and then uh, tons of PR that just instantly put the partnership on the map and they generated tons of engagement around it. I think it was like over 100 million impressions around the announcement. And as a whole, I mean, that, that Luca announcement was just really creative the way that they did it because they're, they're still not operating with the budgets that some of the bigger beverage companies are. But the way that they did it just immediately put them on the map. And when we look at kind of how they perform, we obviously value social for them. And when you look at January through November of last year, so basically the entire calendar year and then compare it to December when they really went live to July of this year, they've seen a 32x increase in their total value from social, which just kind of points to the fact that they're just doing really amazing and creative things. And that Luca partnership really just stuck out as the way that they announced it and launched it. It was just flawlessly executed and just a really good job. Then we moved into the serious topics about the future of sponsorship and I asked the group, what new skills or existing skills that will need significant development do you think sponsorship professionals on the right-holders side will need in the next five to ten years, i.e. that they aren't prominent right now? Here's Gareth McCarthy, Sponsorship Manager at HCF Australia. There's two big ones that jump out at me here and the first is all around data and insights. Rights-holders really need to get far better at understanding, profiling, segmenting their fan bases and really understanding in particular what makes them tick and how to reach them. Rights holders have to be that expert on their own audience and, and I'm not sure that they are and I can hold my hand up and until recently I was on, on that side of the fence and, and I know that we weren't, but we were starting that journey and we were starting to build out that capability, bringing some new partners on board. So I think that's, that's vital. The second one is bit of a shift in a mindset and, and I know that some around the place probably already have this beat. You know, in the sporting space, you're not just a sports business. That's almost incidental. You're an entertainment and a content business. So really upskilling and equipping both in terms of capacity and capability to produce quality content. There's so much scope and opportunity there. And now Misha Sher, Global Head of Sport, Entertainment and Culture at Mediacom. I think people are going to have to become much, much more multifaceted 
as the industry evolves. You might be an incredible salesperson or, or marketing person, but I think what, what's happening is the world is becoming, there's so many different areas that, that, are, that are coming together now. You've got to understand technology. You have to understand human behavior. You have to understand the way people are interacting. Basically, how are this world that's that's evolving at a much faster pace than what we're that what we're used to how is that impacting the world of sport the world of sponsorship if you and i had this conversation a year ago we would not have been talking about nfts for example but you know if you are sitting there if you're at a rights holder and you don't understand the world of uh, of crypto the world of nfts you're going to be left behind very quickly right because that's where things are moving to because the way people are interacting, it's the way that we are, it's another, it's another channel through which we can connect and engage. It's another way of monetizing. So going back to your original question, people are going to have to become much more clued up in technology, in human behavior, in data, and how all of that sort of, you know, how all of that comes together to create value, value for all the different stakeholders and most importantly, value for the fan. Next to answer is Alice Larkworthy, Senior Partnerships Manager at Arsenal FC. For me personally, and like working in a partner servicing capacity, we're obviously always at the mercy of the sort of information that our partners kind of need from us. So we always kind of have to be at the forefront of measurement, I think, first and foremost. And that's just going to increase, right? There's more platforms to manage, to monitor. There's different types of engagement that come with all those different platforms. And that's just an, like, an ever-moving beast, right? And, and that's not going to change. So we definitely need to remain upskilled in that and kind of or at the forefront, making sure that we've got the relevant teams and stuff or relevant mediums in place in order to kind of provide that that sort of insight, which isn't just camera facing asset value, isn't just media value. It's more than that. It's more sentiment and, and things like that. So I think there'll be greater scrutiny on that, especially as well. I think, you know, we're competing with companies which will go out and just do a media buy, for example, when it comes to kind of promoting content, whether that's with the club or, or not. So we need to kind of own our own channels more, particularly in a paid spend capacity. What are we doing to kind of really reach the right people that brands want and won't be able to do kind of elsewhere? So making sure we're kind of at the forefront of that and, and we're kind of delivering on that for, for kind of all partners, small, large, depending on what the objectives, I think I think will keep being important and we'll kind of keep coming back to when we do end of season reviews and, and what's been successful or not. Rajesh Menon, VP, Head, Board of Director Royal Challenges Bangalore in the Indian Premier League, gave this answer. So if you see the sponsorship market per se globally and in India or Asia, the demands are evolving in this VUCA world. It's completely uncertain and volatile and hence the skill set expected is very diverse. Think of this context in, in where we are currently in terms of in a bubble and expectations are, are still not low. And how will a person shift his, his gear to meet this expectation? He needs to do, he do multiple tasks. He needs to change drastically in terms of handling agencies, digital marketing agencies, production houses, talent houses. And he should be able to stitch, stitch this, all this together, together on his own. So one other skill which you require is project management. Very critical project management skill. The second one is, as a sponsorship market is evolving, the expectation of right, right holders are also evolving. In coming years, the clients will not, not just look for visibility through sponsorship and other, other stuff, but they will look at integrating the assets into the right holder's asset. And hence, what is required from a skill set? What is required is in terms of a person 
to have a complete strategic view, a long-term strategic planning will be a really good asset in terms of to have. And what will this help with this project management skill as well as a strategic planning skill? This will help that person understand both aspects, which is a sponsor's aspect and a right holder's aspect. And he will be able to create new IPs, which will help the asset build become stronger. I feel, I feel this is the two major skills required going forward, looking at this VUCA environment. And finally, Scott Tilton, CEO at Hook It. I think the transition has already begun, but both the rights holders and the industry as a whole will need to shift to a, a much more rapidly to a more fluid, real-time measurement and activation mindset. We're huge believers in social and digital media, obviously. And from our perspective, that platform has really just revolutionized sponsorships. And the days of evaluating partnerships annually, quarterly, or even monthly is far too passive and not strategic enough to really optimize the investments that the brands are trying to make and really maximize on the return on maximize the return on investment or objectives that the brands have. So I think that's the biggest thing is in addition to that, brands are looking to take some of the control back in-house where they want to control the data. They used to rely on rights holders to provide basically validation for the investments that are being made. But I think this passive measurement and looking back is really kind of hurting the industry as a whole. And they just need to shift much more to a real-time measurement and activation mindset in order to kind of keep up with where the brands are going. Lifting up the focus, I then asked, what's the biggest challenge facing the sponsorship industry in the next five to 10 years? A nice big broad one for them there. Here's Gareth McCarthy, Sponsorship Manager at HCF Australia. To start off thinking a little shorter term, COVID's still going to be here, certainly for next year, 2022, maybe even 2023. And look, there's bound to be long tail impacts coming out of that. I think rights holders have done a great job on the whole of demonstrating flexibility, creativity, adaptability, and being able to get seasons off in the last couple of years. The lessons from that, I think rights holders need to keep in the forefront and they need to keep being as adaptable to whatever comes up in the next five to 10 years. Big ones that haven't changed and continue to change broadcast platforms, the fragmentation, and probably by the time we get to this end of, you know, the next 10 year period, it's probably going to get back to consolidation in terms of those channels. You know, as a, as a football fan here in Australia, I think you need to have sort of four different subscriptions to different platforms to be able to watch the A-League and the Champions League and the Premier League and, you know, your Serie A, whatever it is. So from a fan point of view and a rights holder point of view, how that marries up is is, is going to be really difficult. But the flip side to that is, is that there's more opportunity to reach people than ever before. So whilst everything's fragmenting, you can actually find people and build an audience in more ways than ever before as well. And now Misha Share, Global Head of Sport, Entertainment and Culture at Mediacom. I think the biggest challenge is being able to show how sponsorship investment actually contributes to uh, tangible results. Everything is becoming measurable now, everything. So this idea of, well, we drove awareness or we drove, we did some surveys. I think in the next three to five years, you're going to have to demonstrate exactly how all the different actions, all the different campaigns can be attributed to specific to specific business results. So accountability is where things are, is, is increasingly where things are headed. And I think it's going to be easier because the, the role of digital is going to get much bigger and it's going to it is, that's much more much more measurable. We can actually track how people are 
how people are behaving and how they how they move through you know I guess the funnel. But that's you know that to me is the the, the holy grail of the sponsorship industry is measurement, being able to demonstrate how it actually drives results and it can stand up against any other forms of marketing. Next to answer is Alice Larkworthy, Senior Partnerships Manager at Arsenal FC. I think it'll be finding space in the crowd, right? I think we sort of, there's so many brands out there in, in a great way, in my field specifically, that want to be involved in that sort of sports sponsorship space that we as rights holders and agencies, you know, a lot of, I guess, pressure on us to identify where those gaps are and what partners can kind of come in to exploit that. We've moved to a really kind of digitally focused world over the last 18 months for obvious reasons, which is great. But then again, there's only so many types of a certain piece of content that can go out on a week that, you know, a brand would actually get the exposure that they want. So what other areas can we exploit? And I think even though that digital focus has been at the forefront of everyone's mind, where we're at now is as people are still craving getting on site at events again, right? And being part of that atmosphere and being a part of that family. So it's important not to neglect that element of it. So I think it's sort of going back to having that holistic thinking in terms of that wider sponsorship deal. What are the touch points? What are we kind of trying to achieve at it? It's not just going to be one channel, right? And who are we talking to? What actually are the areas are we going to hit them hit the most? Which, you know, everyone's going to be doing. Everyone's going to be finding that 1% difference. So again, it's kind of just making sure that we're finding that space. We're talking to the right people and that the brand is actually sort of getting the breathing room and kind of the visibility that they're looking for. Rajesh Menon, VP, Head, Board of Director Royal Challenges Bangalore in the Indian Premier League, gave this answer. Since I come from a sporting background, live sports are the bread and butter of sports sponsorship. Let's agree to that in terms. And no live event means the sponsors don't get major returns for their bucks. So what, what an industry should look at is start looking at developing new assets that can be deployed regardless of a particular event happens or not. That is very critical. Because the format is changing, the landscape is changing, and, and sponsorship market and industry also need to change and look at new assets which can be deployed wherever it is, even if the event happens or not, doesn't happen. Point number one is that. Point number two, the Gen Z consumers are socially and environmentally engaged. They know what, what is, what's happening in the world. They look at equality. They look at sustainability and plan it as a key in their perception. This will be an emerging space for right holders and other stakeholders as well. And hence, how to be genuine, how to be authentic in the space will be challenging that will that this industry will face in the next maybe couple of years going forward. And we know the climate change is here. We know it's here. It's facing us in terms of gender equality has been in the scene. The, has, been, has been talk of the entire stuff for a couple of years now. So all this is boiling up. And how genuine and authentic we operating in this space will be a challenge for this industry. And finally, Scott Tilton, CEO at Hookit. ROI. This isn't a new challenge, but sponsorships in general have largely been a black box for decades. And it's still an extremely emotional and effective form of marketing to reach consumers in an extremely authentic way. And, and it's extremely effective. But every brand marketer that we work with is still trying to figure out a way to tie these investments back to the bottom line. And things like machine learning, AI, uh, mixed media modeling, uh, we as an industry are, are definitely getting closer, but we have a long way to go. 
We are often looking for edges and progression and innovation to give our organisation a competitive advantage. And so I asked the group what area they considered to have the most potential for development in the sponsorship industry. Here's Gareth McCarthy, Sponsorship Manager at HCF Australia. Two thoughts here. And the first, data and audience inside. I think most rights holders and even on on brand side as well, we're just at the start of that journey of being really able to to mine what are big, warm, engaged audiences, you know, for those nuggets and those pieces of gold that we're trying to find to, to help brands do what they need to do, you know, to solve the business problems that they have. And it's amazing, you know, those fan bases, you know, they want to tell their story. They want to tell and talk about themselves. I remember doing a survey out to our fan base and we got over seven and a half thousand respondents who completed a 20 minute 50 question survey for the chance to win a like a 50 buck gift card. So the opportunity there to go in and understand these people is is there and it's phenomenal. But the really big step is is to what 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 does that mean? You can get these these items of data and 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 you know these pieces of information but making sense and making meaning out of it and being able to identify the opportunities out of it. So I think that's the the first real opportunity for development that we've got as an industry. And secondly, it's a bit of exploring a bit of a mindset shift and, and that's maybe towards more performance-based partnerships where, you know, there might be, you know, a lesser rights fee, but assets and rights fees are then built off the back of that and they're, they're based on performance-based incentives. I think understanding a little bit now of what's going on in rights holder land of how much scrutiny there is on every single marketing dollar and where it's going and you know everyone's favorite letters ROI perhaps there's ways to to just shift the mindset of how we actually work together and and it's a huge piece that's going to be a really significant shift in how everyone thinks together and it's going to take so much work on the back end to make it happen in terms of agreeing those objectives, agreeing how it's measured, whether they're done or who's doing the measurement. It's probably another thing. But I think there's, again, a lot of opportunity there that's all about making it more efficient. And now, Misha Sher, Global Head of Sport, Entertainment and Culture at Mediacom. I think it's the world of VR and AI. How can we leverage these types of technologies to create very, very unique personalized experiences that can be had anywhere in the world, how they enable our industry to basically break down any sort of geographical barrier, time barrier, to make people anywhere, wherever they happen to be, feel like they are where the action, you know, where the action is taking place. So I, I think it's really, really interesting what's already happening in that space, how you can feel at some point down the road no farther away from, you know, an action at Arsenal or at Liverpool or the Yankees than someone who is at, you know, someone who is at the stadium. So the ability to to create that and, the, and the, what, you know, what that opens up in terms of the, you know, the, the scale is really, really exciting. So is that new? I'm not sure it's new. I think we're already on our way there, but I think we're going to see this part of the industry really evolve over the next couple of years. I guess the other part building on that is, is how does this idea of the metaverse sort of collide with sport as well, where the virtual meets the real world? That's going to be fascinating. Um, and I think that's what you're talking about. You know, how do we make you where you are 
part of an experience and part of, you know, feel like you're connected. You're not disconnected by geography, which in real terms you are, but what this new evolution of technology allows you to do is to feel as connected and as close to the action as, as, as anyone else. Next to answer is Alice Larkworthy, Senior Partnerships Manager at Arsenal FC. It's sort of interesting because new categories will always appear in the world, right? Like depending, I mean, if you look at this last year, there's various different things that have kind of come through, food delivery services, for example, you know, things like that, that that's always going to be just an area that moves with the times, which is why you've got to be aware about what's going on in, in the wider space. I mean, if you look at the world of like cryptocurrency at the moment, that's sort of a really interesting area. I think it's it's one to explore you know, wider, I don't think anyone really knows this in a sporting capacity, sort of how that kind of can really be exploited. It's obviously slightly difficult. It's an unregulated field at the moment. So there's obviously that element, but it's it's an area that we're kind of really seeing more and more people kind of wanting to get in, into and exploit how we manage that and kind of bring that world, which has probably seemed slightly alien to, you know, your regular journey stuff like that previously how can we kind of bring that into the mainstream and i think it's it's definitely making that shift but again how can we kind of make it accessible is it going to kind of become mainstream are players going to be bought using bitcoin for example all these kind of questions that people are wanting to ask whether it's going to happen i think it'll, particularly in that kind of next five to ten years space it'll be interesting to kind of see how mainstream that is in in kind of the fintech area Rajesh Menon, VP, Head, Board of Director Royal Challenges Bangalore in the Indian Premier League, gave this answer. What are the primary reasons for this industry to flourish? The primary reason are its fans. And fans are at the centre of any sponsorship business, period. And there has been a tectonic shift in their attitude and behaviour now. And hence, understanding the fan, who are they, understanding their behaviour, their intent, expectation, will be one of the key areas where one needs to invest. And, and one needs to invest heavily into it because there is a huge shift, point number one. Point number two, measurement. And, and I believe saying that what is not measured is not well done. So if, if one thing is crystal clear, it is a shift from this traditional to digital content, and it won't stop here anyway. Both sponsors and consumers are turning to digital. Digital platforms are in, whether it is streaming or content development or content delivery. Now you cut to traditional sponsorship model. Here it is a lot more difficult to measure KPIs and ROIs. And in new age medium with data getting gathered, campaigns are quickly adjusted to the liking of the consumer. So what is required for potential development is to move with space, to understand in terms of what are the measurement metrics required and how can we be more agile and also adjust the campaigns and adjust the need on the fly. That is required. And finally, Scott Tilton, CEO at Hookit. I think without a doubt, using predictive data and analytics to better understand the potential impact and outcome of a sponsorship well in advance of even doing a deal. We've already started down this path and the findings and how it's reshaping sponsorship behavior is just fascinating. You know, I think there's so much going into data science these days and there's so much data out there that just hasn't been applied to this category. But I think, you know, as people are getting smarter about how to use the data and getting a lot more predictive, it's going to completely change the way that brands are doing deals in this space. Of course, while sponsorship should always be a partnership with all parties benefiting, we can't escape the fact that sponsorships are largely underpinned by brands wanting to achieve an outcome 
from their marketing. And so I asked, if we fast forward 10 years, how would you describe what brands are looking for and what they want out of sponsorship? Here's Gareth McCarthy, Sponsorship Manager at HCF Australia. What I love about sponsorship is that it's the MacGyver of marketing. It's the Swiss Army knife of marketing. It can do anything. You can address any business problem, you know, with a really well thought out targeted sponsorship and leverage program. You know, you can do an awareness job. You can do a sales job. You can do a retention job. You can do it in any any industry in any category. And that's that's not going to change. What probably will change, and I think the smarter brands into the future are going to get way pickier and pointier and more discerning in the packages that they take up. So sponsorship as a whole should become more efficient. There should be less stuff you don't need, more targeted towards the people that I'm actually trying to reach. And, you know, I want a really efficient package of assets you know, with that alignment to my really specific objectives. And there's there's responsibility on both sides there. Brands need to get better at providing that that clear directive and that clear objective of, right, this is actually what I'm trying to do. And sponsors need to get way more responsive and targeted in how they respond to it. And if both sides can do that, that works for everyone. And now, Misha Share, Global Head of Sport, Entertainment and Culture at Mediacom. I think by that point, they're going to want to see how they, that leads directly to sale of a product, I would imagine. I appreciate that marketing is going to remain a multifaceted discipline. You know, it doesn't, we don't just start buying product that we don't know. But having, you know, but having said that, what they're going to be looking for is to shorten the journey from the awareness to consideration to purchase, how leveraging all the data capabilities that we will have an understanding of the of the consumers of where they are and and how they can tar how we can better target them how can sponsorship be better optimized for conversion that for me i think is where we're headed 10 years that's geez if you ask <laughs> you asked me in 10 years ago where would be today i'm not sure i'd be you know I, i'd get a lot of things right but i i think generally speaking that's where we're headed and we might get there you know well before Next to answer is Alice Larkworthy, Senior Partnerships Manager at Arsenal FC. I'd sort of flip on its head, right? Because brands will ask us to deliver on something that people are asking of them. You know, I think more often than not, right? So I think if we look at the younger generation, that kind of Gen Z generation, they're really big on purpose-led sponsorships, really giving people a reason why you're there. They're not going to engage with someone who's just slapped their logo on something and, and gotting away with it. I think the the proof in the pudding of, of any kind of partnership will be actually what are we giving back to the community? What are we giving back to the fans? You know, and really being able to kind of tell those stories, which may not not be talking to 5 million people at once, right? It's kind of how are we kind of ingraining those stories and using the sponsorship for good and kind of really sort of starting time to build out that sort of proposition, I think, I think will be really key for a lot of, a lot of brands, even if it's not in their, you know, immediate kind of space. Like if we, we've got a partner that actually just wants to work on their sustainability credentials, even though they're not a holistically sustainable brand, like is there something that we can do in the partnership with, with that or it's community led initiative or it's proving employability in the local area, whatever it kind of is, I think there will be an area of pretty much every partnership that will need to be purely like CSR related and, and pure kind of purpose-led related. Rajesh Menon, VP, Head, Board of Director Royal Challenges Bangalore in the Indian Premier League gave this answer. 
see again again if we pull back and put consumer or the fans uh, at the front of this conversation fans are into planet plan, plan, fans are into health integrity transparency they can smell fake easily and for sponsors this means they have to start aligning their sponsorship agenda with their brand purpose it means sponsorship of an event and sports should be close to their dna and brand should fit the sport or the event additionally in terms of the sustainability acting socially responsible will be an important important aspect for right holders as well as for the sponsors and hence from a right holders perspective it will need to craft their offering to deliver on brand purpose point number 1 and hence that is where it is moving we need to we need to just not look at look at any of the sponsorship from a visibility angle we need to define visibility also there and also tailor it for landing on brand's purpose and look at developing ips for that second one is as i mentioned earlier teasing out clear impact of their sponsorship spend both in long term as well as short term versus a normal uh, anp spend which would be critical in evolution of sponsorship market because when you spend on any digital medium or any other medium currently you understand what is happening so here it is that is critical third the last important point is data gathering owning of fan 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 data usage will be the new goal for right holders and sponsors data driven fan engagement will be crucial going forward why because both right holders and sponsors would want to gather as much of data as possible which in turn help them measure brand engagement brand metrics and behavioral impact and this will also help them understand the consumer better so i feel these are three important aspects data gathering in terms of teasing the clear impact of sponsorship spends and understanding and landing on brand purpose these are three main tentacles which i see moving forward and finally scott tilton ceo at hooket i don't personally think the reasons behind why a brand will invest in sponsorships and sports will materially change they have always and will continue to look for influential athletes influencers teams leagues and events who will help build awareness of their brand and improve kind of their reputation with the right target audience through this positive association but what i do think will change is that sponsorships will not be a cookie cutter list of rights and benefits like signage and impression guarantees you know every sponsorship will likely become custom tailored specifically to what brands have identified they need to accomplish to really achieve their specific objectives and i think in addition to all of that sponsorships will become far much more accountable meaning that rights holders will have to deliver and their fees will likely be tied to that in the future and finally a nice big broad question a blue sky thinking question and of course one that focuses on what so many touched on in their previous answers and an area so important to all sides of the industry and that is data and i asked we're still 10 years into the future how do you describe how data is being used in sponsorship on any side of the fence here's gareth mccarthy sponsorship manager at hcf australia probably a ridiculous thought but what if in 10 years time instead of being a sponsor of a team i'm a sponsor of an individual and as a fan my experience and my engagement with my favorite team it it's all wrapped up and presented by you know a particular brand that is trying to reach me and a couple of things to that you you don't need the data and the insight to understand who i am as a fan and what makes me tick and all these sorts of things and then there's the the right brand that fits for me that's trying to reach me you know does the tech exist in the future where if i'm watching on tv or on a device you know the the front of jersey sponsor it's relevant to me 
the advertising hoardings, you know, this is happening already with different markets receiving different ads, but what if that is targeted directly to me? All of the social and, and digital engagement is all brought to me by that particular partner. So rather than a, so say, rather than a team sponsor, there's fan sponsorships, essentially. I think that could be a really interesting thing to explore. Probably ridiculous. It might not be able to happen, but... In terms of, you know, thinking of a, in terms of efficiency and being able to, to minimise wastage and to actually you know, talk directly to the people that you're trying to talk to could be a really exciting thing to explore. And now, Misha Sher, Global Head of Sport, Entertainment and Culture at Mediacom. I think our ability to, to analyse the right sort of data inputs for, for the kinds of outputs that we need is going to improve significantly. Our ability to collect data has never been, has never been better, but actually if you look at a lot of research that's been done from, from rights holders, from brands, actually most of that data, over 50% of that data doesn't get used. And I think the reason being is because we, even though we have it, we don't quite understand how can we best use that data to inform better outcomes. So I think we're going to get become more as as practitioners will become more sophisticated, but the technology also will allow us to interpret a lot of different data points into something that is that is provides a meaningful type of out, you know, outcomes. We're working on something now that's doing that. So we know that we have 15 different data points, but how are we combining them? You know, what is the sort of the equation that gives us a number? Let's say it's 80 or it's 70. That actually means, what does that mean? And if we understand the, if we understand the relationship between different data points, why they should be together or shouldn't be together, which we will, then our ability to produce sort of actionable outcomes from that type of insight is going to be much greater. Next to answer is Alice Larkworthy, Senior Partnerships Manager at Arsenal FC. So I think we'll have more of it. I think just, you know, naturally we'll have more of it, but I think the access to it will be slightly maybe more limited than it than it is now and, and people sort of are probably slightly savvier to what sort of information they're kind of giving up to, to third parties. So I think there'll be a change in the kind of data that we're sort of using. But I, I mean, it's still going to be important. It's never, it's never going away. I think that gone are the days of a mass email campaign out to thousands of people and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's sort of like actually the targeting becomes so much more prominent, so much more important, unifying it across all of our channels. So actually how are we targeting our Facebook and our email sends and our Instagram at kind of the same, at the same time, they shouldn't really sit in silo if we're still talking about the same sort of fan base. So I think bringing that together, I think will be interesting to kind of see see how that happens and really to kind of using that to build out our fan profiles. Because when we talk about targeting becoming more and more important, we as the source holder need to know exactly who we're talking about when. So how that's how that's going to kind of come, particularly in developing countries. I think, you know, we've got huge fan bases in Africa, for example, but the ability to actually get a hold of that data, accurate data and use it isn't quite there yet. So I think the importance in those kind of developing countries in particular will definitely grow in the next couple of years and and football clubs like ourselves and kind of other sports that want to kind of target those developing markets, making sure that we've got that relevant data that we can then, you know, use with existing partners, sell to partners will be be super important. Rajesh Menon, VP, Head, Board of Director Royal Challenges Bangalore in the Indian Premier League gave this answer. Okay, let's just pull this and understand in terms of with digital being the primary content destination platform, what is happening? 
there will be privacy issue going forward. And hence, rights, right holders will find it difficult to gather data from third party. They may get data. They may get data, maybe very, very minuscule data in terms of demography and a little bit of psychography and stuff like that. But they can't get into deep and understanding behavior. What will result in that? This will give impetus to the right holders to develop their own platform to engage with fans. And you will see, and you will start seeing more and more of big rights, right holders will be developing their own platform to engage directly with fans. What this will end up happening is you owning a fan, fan data. And this will be of primary importance. Now what happens is when you start owning a fan data, you should be able to develop trust with your fans. If you're not developing trust with your fans, then they won't be able to complement that relationship. Develop trust with your fans will give an extra edge in sponsorship business from an asset holder perspective to develop new IPs. And also with availability of robust data, both right holders and sponsors can also determine what kind of sponsorship partnership will one get into. So that they have genuine shared objectives, which will also enhance and improve the experience of fan as well as also help in building authentic, positive relationship between the sponsor and the right holders. Otherwise, if, if that is not the case, then, then the triangulation between the fans, the sponsors and right holders will fall apart. And finally, Scott Tilton, CEO at Hook It. Data will be king and the industry as a whole, both on the brand side and on the right holder side, will become, will become much more savvy in using it to transform how they do sponsorships. Everything will become data-driven and right holders will be able to justify the investments because they have data. Brands will be able to justify the investments because they have data. And it will just help everybody better determine which partners are the best fit for their brand and will help rights holders drive much more value to their sponsors that are more aligned with the brand objectives. So data is going to be at the root of everything in the future. Well, there you have it. Episode 101, a look at the future of sponsorship in the second episode in our three-part series. I trust you got lots of value from hearing from our guests. And thanks again to each of them for finding some time in their very busy schedules to chat to me and share with you, the listeners. Thanks again for joining us. And I look forward to you joining us next time when we release our third episode in this series next month. In the meantime, if you'd like a shout out or if you want to connect with me, then you can do so on LinkedIn. Just search for Daniel Oyston. That's O-Y-S-T-O-N. That's a wrap for episode 101. Until next time, I'm Daniel Oyston. Thanks for listening to Inside Sponsorship. Thanks for listening to the show. For more episodes and to subscribe to the show, search for Inside Sponsorship on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. Also, for more free industry-specific resources, including blogs, eBooks, white papers, and our Insights newsletter, head to coresoftware.com. Finally, be sure to follow Core Software on Twitter and LinkedIn.